Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. You are our strength and you are our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So one of the things that has really become evident to me, I guess, over the past uh, year is just because you have true faith, you're not exempted from hardship in this fallen and corrupted world. We've had, to my knowledge, at least three people in our small church contract COVID, and of course it brought with it its share of real physical suffering. Others among us just in the past year have lost loved ones to COVID or other diseases. Others still have experienced financial instability. I've also seen real relational strain and pain in our church among you, the faithful, especially in these kind of tense past few months. I want to stress that all of these things, all these trials have been endured among the faithful. That is, those that are full of faith. So I can tell you as your priest and pastor that as we've walked together as a church through many of these difficulties and trials, the genuineness of your faith, your trust in the Lordship of Jesus, your desire to follow the Spirit's leading, is, it's never been in question. Uh, it's, it's been obviously and self-evidently real. And yet there have really been trials at the same time. So last week we talked about how following God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as our shepherd, doesn't at all mean that we will not experience suffering in this life. We talked about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in fact, we suggested the opposite, that suffering is in fact a necessary part of moving toward the ultimate good future that God has in store for all his people. So as we come to the end now of our month-long meditation on the 23rd Psalm, that we've been going through together as a church, I want to spend some quality time on this final verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, while a kind of suffering is inevitable, and even I'll even say necessary in this life, we have to remember that suffering in itself does not definitively describe our life. Uh, we are not defined by suffering, but rather by who we are with in the suffering. Moreover, the valley of the shadow of death doesn't last forever. In fact, it cannot last forever. We are being led by our shepherd through it into a heavenly country where any kind of darkness is going to be banished forever. You guys, we won't even need the sun when we get there because the light of the fullness of God's presence with his people is going to be enough. So what sets us, the people of God, apart from the world when it comes to troubles in this life isn't that we don't have to deal with them, but rather that we move through them as those that have an eternal hope for an eternal home with the one that is even now faithfully walking with us through those troubles in love 
So this is what the psalmist means. This is what he's getting at when he says, goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. It's not that only good things will happen, of course, but rather that God himself will be faithfully present with him even in the midst of bad experiences. More than that, God will even take those bad things and work them out to accomplish something good. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. In other words, nothing can frustrate God's purpose for you. And your purpose is to be with God and enjoy him forever. And the idea of mercy is also connected in here. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 136.1 in the King James Version says this, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So that word mercy in Hebrew is chesed. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but Hebrew scholars say that chesed is a word that means more than simply mercy. And so we find it translated various ways depending on the context in the Old Testament. Not only can it mean mercy, but it carries with it the idea of steadfast, unchanging, loyal love. And so it has this sense of God following through on his promises to his people. And mercy is wrapped up in that. So what this means is that God's goodness and faithful presence will be with us now and forever. And this is true even though we sin. Even though we sin. Even though we rebel against God. Even though we have all in various ways turned away from the source of life, which is God himself. And so we've necessarily sentenced ourselves to death. It's mercy, not condemnation, that hunts us down. God's goal and purpose is never to condemn those sins. But God's goal and purpose is rather to forgive sins. The prophet Micah testified to this. Uh, chapter 7 and, and verse 18 and 19 in, in, uh, in Micah's uh, book. Who is, like, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. God doesn't delight in condemnation. He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities. I love how, how, how that's put. He will subdue them. He'll conquer them. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And that is why God became incarnate as one of us in the human Jesus Christ. As the eternal Son of God, Jesus spoke authoritatively when he said, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that's why God in Christ was willing to go to the cross. That's why God in Christ was willing to take the punishment that we inflict on ourselves in our broken selfishness he was willing to take that on himself. 
his loving act of forgiveness of even that ultimate sin of killing God in the flesh. His forgiveness of even that defeated death forever. See, he was faithfully loving. Chesed, he exemplified that, lived that, fulfilled that promise to the end. And because of that, his life could not be ended. He was raised from the dead in victory as proof that God's ultimate purpose for humanity, which is life, cannot be ultimately frustrated. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Man. So you see that as we follow God as our shepherd then, the character of our life changes. Our posture and our disposition changes even as we encounter adversities, even as we encounter all all kinds of difficulties and trials because we have this sure and this eternal hope in our ultimate eternal home with Him because of His presence with us right now. And as we move through life in all of its joys and all of its disappointments, we walk in confidence that goodness is never far off. That mercy is our destiny if we'll only believe it and receive it as the free gift of grace that it is. Because in accepting God's free gift of forgiveness, we then become free to forget. In accepting God's free gift of life, we become free from the fear of death. And so we can give our own lives, time, talent, treasure, our bodily lives even freely. In accepting God's free gift of His Holy Spirit, we become free to walk with Him in goodness in every circumstance. We experience God's presence with us now. We experience it even now. Imperfectly, for sure, but nevertheless most fully as we encounter His Spirit in one another in the context of church. Of the church. So we're getting to the second half of that verse. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ephesians 2.21 says that the church being joined together. Of course, we're all joined together by being mutually joined to Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. The church being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Our heavenly eternal home will unquestionably be with God among His people. And so, do you see then, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that we're beginning to live in that now. We're beginning to live in that today. So you can see that this imperfect, messy community we call DMAC can be and in fact is a foretaste of heaven. It's not perfect, of course. It has serious issues sometimes, of course. Why? Because we're not perfect. Because we have serious issues. (laughs) Right? We have serious issues. But you know, We still have these moments by the grace of God. We have these moments together where we find ourselves yielding together to the Spirit. Where we find ourselves worshiping God together in unity. Where we find ourselves testifying together to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over all of creation. And when those moments happen, we experience the character of eternity in the here and now. We experience heaven come to earth. And that is why we take church so seriously. 
not simply as an event to attend or a source of social services or a way to influence politics, but as a community of people that become together of the place where the kingdom of God is manifested to one another and to the rest of the world. Being part of the fellowship of the people of God is a gift. It's a grace. It's what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the house of the Lord, not this building, but this is the household of the Lord. Nevertheless, in the midst of life, like we can forget this. We can become distracted. And so we need reminders that Christian fellowship is our privilege and our calling. And so that's why we're doing something that we've never done before this year as a church. I, I, I talked to you a little bit about this at the end of service last week, but if you're a regular at DMAC and we have your address on file, you're going to be getting a pastoral letter from me with an opportunity to affirm or reaffirm your commitment to be part of and support this local expression of Christian community in writing and send that back. Now, again, we've never done this before, something new, kind of weird, okay? Um, l- let me give you three purposes why we're doing this, three purposes. First, it gives you an opportunity. It gives you an opportunity to intentionally think through what's once again what it means to be called into community. We all have to take these moments to remember these things. Just like as a priest, I renew my vows as a priest every year. Every year I have an intentional moment with other priests where we get together and we say our vows once again to remind ourselves of our commitments. That's kind of what this is. And certainly this calling that we have to be in the church, to be part of the church, to give ourselves to the church is a gift, but it also comes with commitments. And those are, are worth careful and prayerful consideration. So that's the first reason. That's the first purpose why I want to give you this tool. Second, this tool allows you to communicate your commitment then to church leaders. So you're going to send this in and we'll be able to see it. And what that does is it allows you to communicate to us, to your pastors, to your vestry, so that we too have a renewed sense of mutual accountability to you. Third, this is going to help us plan financially as a church family for the coming year. This is just really practical stuff. Uh, you, you'll find a space on this document where, that we're going to send you where you can indicate a dollar amount and a frequency that you intend to give for next year. And first of all, you know, this is not a legal obligation or anything like that. Um, it's going to be held in strict confidence. Nobody's going to hold this over your head. But... W- It's meant to be a way for you to communicate your intentions so that we can make a responsible and faithful family budget for next year. Just like any family, we have to work together to steward our resources to the glory of God. Now, we know not everybody's going to be ready to do this. Um, I want you to know that whether or not you send your affirmation commitment back to us, where, wherever you are on, on that, um, you are loved, you are appreciated. Doesn't mean you're not part of our family. Uh, if you've only been visiting DMAC for a short while, look, we understand that you might need more time before you literally sign on a dotted line that you're committed to this church. We, we get that. For those of you that have been part of our fellowship for some time, I hope that you will find this exercise 
really a source of joy and uh, an opportunity to express your faithful love to your church. That's what I hope. Um, if, well, for whatever reason, making this kind of commitment in this way makes you uncomfortable or stressed, that's certainly not the intention. I want you to know that. Um, but that's probably something that would need to be processed. So, so please reach out to me so we can talk about that. Remember that real community, and we want this, we want DMAC, we don't want it to be a social club, right? We don't want it to just be like something where most of us are just kind of on the fringes all the time. We want it to be a real community. And a real community is about real relationships. Real relationships require real conversations, open and honest communication. So if this makes you uncomfortable, nobody's condemning you for that. Um, come talk to us, come talk to me, and, and let's talk about that. But here's the thing. What our, our church, because of I, the, the, the way that we want to be a, a real, authentic, committed community of Jesus followers together, we are always going to be calling people into a greater degree of commitment, accountability, and intimacy. That's just going to be part of, of, of what we do. We're always going to be calling people into that. Because you know what? Isn't that what God does for us? Doesn't he always call us further up, deeper in with him? And that's what we want to try to communicate and live in together. So brothers and sisters, I am just so grateful for the past four weeks. It's, it's, been, it's been good for my soul. I hope it's been good for your soul as you've uh, engaged with the devotional book that we've sent out, as you have uh, listened to these sermons, as you have read Psalm 23. I'll be interested to know, did any of you actually read it every single day? I'd be interested to know. If you did, um, that's awesome. Um, but even if you didn't, I hope you read Psalm 23 a little bit more than you, maybe you have in the past. And I hope it's been good for your soul. It's been good for my soul to remember what it means to walk together with God as our shepherd. Like, yes, I am a pastor, but I am under, like, the good shepherd. And it's, it's so good to be uh, following him together with you. Because you know what? He has always faithfully provided just what we need at just the right time. And he's always been leading us to these green pastures, these quiet waters. We've had those moments with him. It's been beautiful. And even in the valley, because we've also gone through the valley and continue to go through the valley, he's always reminded us that he's with us. And he's always reminded us that we have no cause for fear. So do you know what? I, I just look forward to continuing to experience his goodness with you. To continue to experience his mercy. I'm so grateful even to experience our eternal home in the present. As we remain with one another. As we follow God, our shepherd together. Amen.